What is going on everybody and welcome to Rock Video Rental. I am Brandon and with me as always is Caleb and we are kicking off December, the Christmas season with another unconventional Christmas movie and that is Lethal Weapon. Uh, but before we get to all that, we'll do like we always do and Caleb, what have you been watching? So much, so <laughs> much football. <laughs> and so much to talk about football football come on let's go play some football yeah uh so yeah not a whole lot to talk about what what i will say and i don't know if it was just today it may have been tomorrow but i i just saw it today is that the trailer for furiosa came out uh the mad max um <gasps> saga so i i don't know how i feel about it because Chris Hemsworth is in it, and I know mm. by me saying it that way, that makes it sound really bad, but sometimes I don't like how things turn out with the Hollywood stars that they put in movies. Nothing against him, but I'm a little bit cautious of how the movie's going to be. But the thing that makes me a little bit more skeptical about it is... It, it, now, it's just the trailer, so I'm fully prepared to wait until the movie actually comes out. But the trailer felt weird and way more Hollywood than the first, than the Mad Max Fury Road did. Okay. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, like, I saw the movie too. And, um, it kind of made me think of almost like a canon film. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of kind of independent, but had a lot of money behind it and just nonstop action. And I don't just kind of fit. Well, I think it did a really good job capturing the old original Mad Max. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even those even though that those were very much slow and drawn out. But it had like you said, almost like canon film or low budget film or almost like an independent film feel to it. Mm-hmm. And there was a very unique feel to Mad Max Fury Road, even though it had an, a, a ridiculous budget and amazing final result. But this one, like, I don't know, maybe they're doing more CGI with it or something that was in the trailer. I'm not entirely sure. I'm, it just it is way too early to tell. Um, but I, I also have to be cautious not to get my hopes up too much. Cause a lot of times when I get really excited and my hopes up about a movie, then I wind up getting too hyped and then it's just a letdown. So <laughs> then he ended up being like me seeing the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah. What was that? <laughs> oh man. Um, anything else? Uh, nope. That's, that's all I got to contribute. So. Okay, I guess I have to carry the load yet again. Hey, I had a trailer to talk about. <laughs> it's true. All your stuff was at least new. Um, continuing on at the Drew Carey show. Uh, I think I'm in, man, towards the end of season three now. I'm kind of plowing through it. Um, I also been continuing watching Dark Side of Comedy. I watched um, the one on Robin Williams. That one was really good. Uh, today I watched the one on the show Family Matters, and that was pretty interesting. There was some stuff in there I didn't know. Uh, also watched today I watched uh, Ordinary People. I don't know if you've ever seen that from 1980. Nope. Um, 
was directed by Robert Redford, which I guess I kind of forgot that Robert Redford did some directing. Mm. Um, it's funny because like I've, a lot of the movies I watch are popcorn movies, or like would be considered like garbage movies, <laughs> like <laughs> the slashers, eighties uh, teen comedies, stuff like that. Um, action movies. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch like a serious drama that was critically acclaimed. Like, see what I think of it, and uh, it was pretty good. It had some slow parts. I mean, it was over. It was about two hours and five minutes long. Uh, acting was really good in it. It's got um, Mary Tyler Moore, um, and Donald Sutherland in it. Right, and they have like a son who they had two sons. One died. He drowned in a boating accident with their youngest son uh, the youngest son survived and he was like guilt stricken from it and keeps having, having like nightmares uh, he attempted suicide at one point and like the dad rescued him and took him to the hospital got him um, saved his life and then he ended up being like a psych ward for a while and it's just like the boys struggle through life since this it was a really depressing movie um but acting wise, like everybody was like really good in it. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a, a serious drama to depress you, then I would suggest it. <laughs> but uh, also watching Shit's Creek on and off here and there. Uh, I finished reading the novelization of Halloween 2, which I found a funny typo in it. They have. Some of the pages have pictures like from the movie and like the captions under it. Any picture that has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, um, they have a typo calling her Lonnie Strode. <laughs> and it's not in one picture, it's in every single one of them. I'm like, who proofread the captions for these pictures because you got the name of the main freaking character wrong? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but uh, the novelization was written really well. I, I enjoyed it. It was an easy read. And then uh, also watched a fair amount of Christmas movies since after Thanksgiving, it's legal to watch Christmas stuff and acknowledge Christmas, at least right. in my book. Uh, for some reason, my oldest daughter kept waking up like at six o'clock every single morning on Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, one of the mornings, like she woke up and I'm like, OK, let's just go downstairs. And like my youngest, for some reason, slept in and she never does. So I'm like, we're going to go downstairs and we're going to watch something. And I just put Home Alone on. And I'm like, okay, she's five. She's old enough that she can watch it. I'm like, I know there's some swearing in it, but whatever, you know. She knows that she's not supposed to say that kind of stuff. Like, it's a family movie and everything. And she ended up really liking it. And then she ended up watching the second one, like, on her tablet one <laughs> later in the day. Nice. So it was kind of funny, yeah. Uh, I also watched Christmas Vacation. And I don't know if I mentioned this last time. I don't think so, because I think I watched it after we recorded. Yeah, because we recorded before Thanksgiving. So mm -hmm. uh, I watched the 1980s slasher movie To All a Good Night. Um, this is my second time watching it. I had it on Blu-ray. It was the first time I saw it. Uh, I ended up actually selling the Blu-ray because I didn't. It's not that I didn't like like the movie. It just it wasn't anything special to me. So I'm like, okay, this Blu-ray is out of print, so I know I can get a fair amount of money for it, and I sold it off. But um, 
but so it was my second time watching it, and I really liked it the second time. <laughs> but it's funny because um, the story for it is like your typical slasher setup where it's like, oh, this is a reform school for girls or whatever, or boarding school, and one girl falls off a balcony and dies. And then it's like, flash forward years later, and there's a new set of girls at the school, and they're staying there over Christmas break. So they're there by themselves, and they have like boys show up, and now every like this killer's going around dressed like Santa Claus and like taking the girls out by one by one. Okay. And then at the end, you find out it's the mom of the girl who died, like getting revenge. Wow. So it's spoiler alert. It's Friday 13th, dude. Right. <laughs> But it came out before Friday 13th, so it's kind of interesting. But, I mean, it's a spoiler for a movie, dude, that's like 50 years old. 40, 43 years old, I guess. Ruined. Ruined. But, yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's decent. Probably not one I'll make you watch, but I did write a review for it and put it up on the website if you guys want to check it out. But. That was the end of my long, drawn-out list. But right. another movie I did watch was another unconventional Christmas movie, and that is Lethal Weapon. Uh, it's a movie that had a lot of casting what-ifs and a list of people that they considered or offered the role to. Um, some of them are kind of obvious, and other ones are kind of head-scratchers. But... Um, we can get into that at the end. You guys stick around to hear to my trivia and facts. But uh, without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushels of fun. Now the Lethal Weapon begun. is from 1987 and is directed by Richard Donner. Uh, the plot is two newly paired cops who are complete opposites mu- must put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. Uh, the cast, we got Danny Glover as Roger Murtaugh, Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs, Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua, Mitchell Ryan as The General, Tom Atkins as Michael Hansacker, and Darlene Love as Trish Murtaugh. I always forget that Tom Atkins is in this movie. Dude, I know. As soon as I saw him, I was like, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, and he's always good. Yeah. He was good in this. I, so he had a small role, but I, he was acting really well in this one. Mm-hmm. Um. I know this probably isn't your first time seeing this. No, it has not. I, I, man, I want to say it's only like my second or third time watching all the way through, though. Oh, really? Yeah, this is definitely one of the least that I've seen of this series. I will know better by the end of it which one. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the second one is the one I've seen the most. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think this might be the least viewed. This one or three is going to be my guess. So. We'll see. I, I already know remember. that number four is my least watched one because I've seen it once. Okay. I think I've seen that one a couple times just because of Jet Li, So, uh, 
I went through a big martial arts phase, mostly with Jackie Chan, but then I liked Jet Li movies too, so I watched it a couple times. Yeah, I remember you talking a fair amount about Jet Li movies in college. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen this movie quite a few times. I would say more than five, less than ten, right around there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic buddy cop movie. Yeah, it... I was having a hard time remembering what this one was about. Um, and it was kind of, it was interesting. It was, it was a little bit longer and more drawn out than I remember. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was still good, but yeah, I just didn't remember how they were going to start out the dynamic between the two. And then what even exactly was their case that they were, were working on together. Yeah. One yeah, one thing that I completely forgot about was the whole desert thing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> the one thing I forgot about was that uh, Murtaugh's daughter got kidnapped. Yeah, I I did remember it happening, but I didn't remember it being <laughs> this one. Um, but I I remembered the well, it wasn't even the warehouse. It was like the back uh the back house of the nightclub. Yeah. Uh, that's what I really remember for the end of this movie because, well, basically it is the end of the movie. But right before that, the whole desert thing, I completely forgot existed. Yeah, I forgot about the whole standoff thing. Um, and what I remembered being the end was um, Mel Gibson and Gary Busey fighting in the front yard of Murtaugh's house. Yeah, I for I. I kind of forgot about that. I mean, I remember them fighting, but I did not remember that basically like all the cops show up and they're like, oh, let them fight it out. Let them fight it out. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, that um, that wouldn't fly. <laughs> Maybe if you're crazy like Mel Gibson. Yeah, but then he'd be out of a job real fast. Oh, yeah. Especially in today, um, uh, today's uh, <laughs> dynamics. Uh, speaking of Mel Gibson, he was he was pretty great in this movie, dude. He's it, crazy. Mel is so intense. <laughs> it's because that's real Mel. I know it probably is, <laughs> especially now. I heard that they're actually making a Lethal Weapon five. So I heard that too. I'll be interested. I mean, come on, like. Danny Glover was too old for this from the first one. Like, I mean, come on, he's gonna be way too old now. Now his his son is gonna be getting too old for it, <laughs> and the Mel's still crazy. Uh, but I um, I thought the chemistry between the two was probably the best part of the movie. Oh man, like, they Some... just work so well together. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you have anything uh, from your notes or anything, if they really did get along that well. But yeah, absolutely. Like them performing together is some of the best chemistry that we've seen in a movie for quite some time. I'm not sure. I mean, like we've talked about we just got off John Hughes month and how well some of the young kid actors did in that, but mm -hmm. not quite anything like you see between Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Could you imagine John Hughes doing a lethal weapon movie? <laughs> <laughs> it'd probably be amazing. It, it'd be a lot more. I think it'd be a lot more drama and less action. <laughs> probably. I don't think John Hughes ever really did anything near action. 
Yeah, that would be. I guess that would there's be, lots of stunts at home alone. Yeah, it'd be funny to see um, directors do movies that they normally don't do. Yeah. So. Oh, the only director I can really think of that tried to dabble in all different, pretty much all the major genres is John Carpenter. Hmm. I mean, he did horror, he did action, he did sci-fi, and he tried with comedy, and his comedy movies never really took off. Um, He did Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. and that was a flop. <laughs> um, and martial arts, too, because of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> nice. But I'm not sure all of what Richard Donner did, but, I mean, this has... A lot of action and comedy in it. So. Oh yeah, but you got to have the actors for it. I mean, and Mel Gibson is one of those guys that could do either one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, action and comedy. Um, well, I'm trying to remember too what else was going on in his film career. Um, around this movie, the Mad Max movies, eighty-seven. Um, Mad another Max, thing too yeah. that I always forget that Gary Busey's in this movie, and I also you yeah. also sometimes forget with how crazy Gary Busey is now that he was a really good actor. Yeah, I mean it, he didn't have a range really. No, um, he ha- he definitely had a uh, was kind of like typecasted, but yeah, no, he uh, he does crazy pretty good. Yeah, he did a. He plays a good villain, and he also plays like a good everyman. Because there's a few movies I've seen with him where he kind of plays the everyman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in, he's in Silver Bullet with uh, Corey Haim, and he's also if you think of Rookie of the Year, <laughs> where he plays where he plays Chet Stedman. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of the everyman of that. But also, um, Eye of the Tiger is another one too, where he kind of plays an everyman. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, what else was Mel doing at this time? Uh, I, I was just looking at that. Uh, you are right. He had a few Mad Max movies before this. Um, Air America came out after this. Bird on a Wire came out um, after this. There's nothing really super well known before it um, that he did, except for the Mad Max movies. Unless, like, yeah. some of these are more popular movies than I'm realizing. So, yeah. So, he, like, this, I feel like if you didn't know him from Mad Max, that this was kind of like his breakout. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, because I'm looking at his um, filmography, too, and acting-wise, and I don't, Really, before this, I don't see anything other than the three Mad Max movies. Yeah. Those those kind of put him on the map, but... Mm-hmm. He really... Um, I think for him, uh, I mean, he did have a lot going on in the 80s, but I kind of feel like he really blew up fame-wise in the, um, 90s. in the 90s. Yeah, I would agree with that. So... Yeah, and then Danny Glover, he he was established by this point. Yeah, I want to say I I don't even have his stuff pulled up, but 
he was he old. So <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done a heck of a lot as of late. He does a lot of um, lower budget movies now. I mean, he's still a good actor. It's just it's kind of funny that like the roles he takes now. Yeah. So before Lethal Weapon, he had um, his acting debut was an Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood. Oh, nice. And then I, gosh, other movies that he was in, it was Places in the Heart. Witness. Witness, yeah. That was uh, a good movie. Silverado. The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, The Color Purple. Yeah. Yeah, he so he was well-known, but he wasn't like, I wouldn't say he really hit his stride. Like yeah. lethal, because uh, him too, actually, you know, like after this movie or the '90s is really kind of where, um, I feel like he kind of had a little bit of a spark because he did, uh, he did the Lethal Weapon movies, he did Predator Two, um, oh, that wasn't the movie that I thought was Flight of the Intruder, Angels in the Outfield. That was a huge one. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Oh, that's interesting. I really felt like he had a lot more, um, a lot kind of bigger titles at that point. Yeah, he, man, it's interesting. He, he, he did a lot of um, TV stuff too. Yeah. But he was nominated for a few Emmys hmm. in the 80s. So, interesting. interesting. But yeah, probably the biggest breakout for both of these guys at this point. Um, Gary Busey's career was kind of slipping a little bit <laughs> before he got this role, so kind of brought him back into the mainstream more. Um, yeah, Mitchell Ryan is a guy, one of those that guys. Mm-hmm. Like he's popped up in a lot of stuff. Um, I always think of him as um, he was in the the show Dharma and Greg. Okay, <laughs> that's I used to watch it a lot in the nineties. Um, it's what the he always pops out to me in. But yeah, he plays like the main bad guy. He uh, passed away last year. I saw oh, that. Yeah, Curse of Michael Myers. There we go. That I was trying to. Yeah, was he was like, the man in black. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we? So we have done one of his movies before, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, no, yeah, so... lots of lots of great scenes in this movie. Um, there's a a few of my favorites. We get uh, but the one that always stands out to me is when um, Riggs is decides he's going to take over the the jumper case. And yeah. the guy's up on top of the building and he goes out there and he's talking to him and uh Murtaugh's just kind of watching him like because he still doesn't really know Riggs all that well. And he's like, Oh, let's kind of see how this guy does. He wants to take this. So um Yeah, it starts off fine where he's just talking to him. He's like, I'm gonna come out on the ledge here with you and talk to you. And he offers the guy a cigarette when the guy reaches for it, he slaps cuffs on him. He's like, Okay. He's like, So now if you jump. You're not only killing yourself, you're killing me, and that's murder. 
<laughs> like the guy is just like you're crazy yeah <laughs> honestly i think one of the best elements of this movie like not just from the aspect of what it adds to the movie but one of the best executed parts of this movie is the uh, mental instability of martin riggs like mel gibson does such a good job with it oh yeah like uh you see see it right from the get-go because he gets back from a case and he goes to his uh camper basically that he's living in and he's he puts a bullet in the chamber of the gun and he's looking at it and holds it up to his head and then he puts it into his mouth and then he decides you know second guesses himself doesn't commit suicide but you get to see like you know he's a damaged person Mm -hmm. and and it's not like so much of it and what most people remember is the crazy loony parts like the the jumper scene and um Man, there are just so many. Like when he goes up against a bad guy or villain, he just starts acting crazy. Uh, but there are also those parts where it's just very raw and real. Like yeah. the one that I forgot about was actually right after the jumper scene where Danny Glover like hauls Mel Gibson and chucks like throws him into this uh, empty building or room and he's just like dude you're crazy he's just like here i don't even want to wait for it just take my gun and shoot your head if you're gonna do it like don't waste <laughs> my time yeah yeah and i i totally forgot about that part and it just it it's interesting because i you know always remember the loony stuff but this movie did really make it really raw and real dark. emotional yeah dark yeah so yeah, I always kind of forget about that part too, like the depth they go into for building the characters. Another thing I forgot about too was how uh, Murtaugh's daughter had a crush on Martin Riggs from the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, this is awkward. <laughs> Speaking of awkward, how about the the first scene where we see Murtaugh and he's in the bathtub and his entire family comes into the bathroom to say oh, happy yeah. birthday. And they're like, the dude's naked in the bathtub. Yeah. I was just like, I was waiting for him to wish for everybody to get out of the bathroom so it wouldn't be so awkward. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, and then I forgot he had the big scruffy beard, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's head of my notes. I'm like, what's with the family bargaining out? Barging in on Murtaugh in the bathtub. That's uh, so awkward. Yeah, no, like, I mean, that's like private time. And, you know, I mean, he has grown kids. And yeah, sure. There's, and what guy, what guy before work has a bubble bath? Yeah. I mean, maybe, I, guess, I guess when you get too old for this shit. That's maybe <laughs> maybe the 80s were different man i mean i know it was his birthday but like you get up early so you could take a bubble bath i guess his 50th like, birthday i would i would take work off and then maybe take a bath and do nothing yeah but also like <laughs> i can't yeah that that was super awkward how they all came in there and i was just like okay don't look in the tub kids 
Yeah. <laughs> Let me rearrange the bubbles around here. Give, give me a boat. Yeah, it's a so sneaking Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> it's a man bath if you have a battleship in there with you. Oh, cool uh, boat. Oh, oh. Uh, and then to even be more awkward with that, this, the soundtrack of this with all the sexy saxophone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That that is one thing that I remember very distinctly about the Lethal Weapon series is the saxophone. Yeah. All the the blues music. Um I'm not sure in this one. I always say if I was a better podcast host, I would know this. But I believe Eric Clapton did yes, a lot he did. of the music for I, I saw his name. One? Yeah, it was listed. So yeah. he he was on there. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like the introduction of the two characters, like we get to see, you know, Riggs is the kind of the troubled loose cannon. Um, his introduction scene is he's at a Christmas tree plot or whatever, and he's they're doing like a coke deal, and <laughs> cracks that scene cracks me up because um, he's like, how much for all of it? And they got like this big package of coke and the guy's like 130 and he's like wow 130 he's like that's a lot he's like all right and then he like pulls out cash out of his wallet he's counting at 130 dollars mm-hmm. and the guy's like wait what is this he's like no 130,000 <laughs> that, that cracks me up and then he um throws his badge down and reveals that he's a cop which which is just a crazy move too and then he has the whole three stooges thing yeah He's like, you're crazy. And he's like, well, I'll talk about crazy. And then he pokes one guy in the eye and slaps another one. <laughs> well, and then he does, he, that's when he does his uh, notorious head slap thing. Yeah. Too. Uh, I think he does that a couple times, but yeah, that's really when you're like, oh my gosh, like it really is crazy, Mel. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. And then, yo, then we get, um, Murtaugh at work too where he's checking out the prostitute that jumped out of the building mm-hmm. and there's another prostitute that was like a witness or whatever and they're just brushing her off because they don't believe anything she says and Murtaugh drops a line that really cracked me up this time where he's like he's like well because you're all dressed up and no one to blow <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got that one yeah. Oh gosh, that would really crack me up this time. And then he finds out that the girl that died was Tom Atkins' daughter. Mm. And that's where they kind of start the whole case of trying to hunt down who who did all this. And yeah, why those guys try and hurt me? <laughs> that's a random pull. Uh, yeah, I have no idea why that popped in my head. <laughs> Oh, drunk Van Dam. Now, uh, so a couple things with this that just like you you watch and you're kind of like, oh, I kind of miss that. It kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It at, at the end, I know I'm like skipping around here, but at the end when they got captured and they had Riggs and Murtaugh and uh, Murtaugh's daughter. They kept all of them alive. Like, yeah. they totally did not need to keep both the cops alive. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's a little bit of a plot hole there because I mean, they were already fine with killing people before. I understand that they needed to know what they knew to an extent, just to make sure that their delivery shipment wasn't compromised or whatever. Yeah. But they easily could have killed Riggs because they had Murtaugh and his daughter. So if Murtaugh wasn't going to talk, they could totally like torture his daughter and get him to talk. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those movie things where it's just like it, that cliche where like the evil villain is explaining his plot, which gives the hero time to like escape and like foil his plans. Yeah. That totally made me think of that, which is just, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a totally 80s thing. Well, they had Riggs tied up and they were electrocuting him, trying to get information out of him. And I think really the plan was, is like, oh, they're just going to kill Riggs off. But like Gary Busey walks away and leaves like some no-name henchman to watch him. And of course, Riggs chokes the guy out with his legs and gets free and rescues Murtaugh. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like if they were planning on that, it's just like, dude, just shoot Riggs in the head and have be done with it. Yeah. And then you got... Murtaugh and his daughter and you're good to go. You just don't get it, do you, Scott? <laughs> I'll go to my room. I'll get a gun. It's like, we'll shoot up. We'll do it together. <laughs> you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I, I forgot right before the jumper scene, Murtaugh has that line, too. It's kind of a funny exchange that I never really picked up on until this time where... He's like, Riggs, you take this one. He's like, no guns, no jujitsu, just bring him down. And Riggs looks at him and says, Roger, uh, uh I mean, 10 4. You know, just, I guess I never picked up on that. It's like, oh, yeah, his name is Roger Murtaugh. So saying Roger doesn't make much sense. <laughs> uh, well, another thing that, um, uh, I don't know if I really remembered it from before, but that made me laugh was um, it was the end of the first day or maybe it was the second day. And Murtaugh was just like, or Briggs was basically just like, well, you don't trust me, do you? And Murtaugh was just like, well, let's face it. If we get through tomorrow and you're still alive and you haven't killed anybody, then I'll start trusting you. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love too when... Um... Murtaugh calls dispatch or whatever it is about Riggs on that backpack phone. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like explaining something. And that's what he's like. That he's the second time he says, I'm too old for this shit. And then he walks over and uh, Riggs is just sitting on the back of the car eating a hamburger. And he like heard the entire conversation. <laughs> and like Murtaugh's not keeping it from him. And he's like, Are you hungry? And he's like, No. How many times did he say that, by the way? That he's too, too old for this? I think like, twice. Okay. I'm, yeah. I knew it was at least twice. I wasn't sure if there were a couple more. Yeah, it's just a um, recurring thing that happens through the series. Um, Another scene, too, that's really memorable is the gun range. Oh, yep. Where uh, they're trying to, like, one-up each other, and Danny Glover shoots, and makes a really good shot from like, I don't know, 20 yards away. And then Riggs just like looks at him. He's like, okay, my turn. And he sends the target back 20 yards. And then he like makes, he just like stares at Bertal and he like makes it go back like 40 yards. <laughs> and Bertal's watching him and Riggs fires a shot. And he, 
then he like while he's reeling it in, he's just staring at Bertal again, and he grabs the um paper target and hands it to Bertal and walks off. And Riggs like shot a smiley face on the target, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like how amazing of a shot that Riggs is. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I, also he was making from fun of him at the beginning when they first met up and they were going to the car, and they were talking about their different guns. I know that yeah. um, Riggs had a Beretta, and I can't remember what. Um, he had a revolver. Yeah, Luger, uh, Ruger. Yeah, I can't uh, remember. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, uh, six shooter. Yeah, all the old guys like using that. Yeah. <laughs> All the old timers lose that. And he just looks at him. Uh, probably like the last memorable thing I had was um the ending with Riggs and Busey fighting. We kind of touched on that, but you get to see Mel's like well he, he mentions kind of earlier in the the movie how he's got like a martial arts background or something. Or Murtaugh's like reading his file and says that, and it's when we get a classic Peter Griffin moment where Murtaugh mentions the name of the movie. <laughs> He's like, I guess we have to register you as a lethal weapon. I'm like, God, I said it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that was in the movie. <laughs> uh, I love too after the fight where Riggs has the chance to like kill Gary Busey and he needs like, guy's not worth it kind of thing and then Murtaugh's like yelling to the other cops he's like get this trash off my lawn <laughs> get off my lawn well then I love it too because I I kind of forgot about it I thought he just got arrested and everything but then he tried to break free and grab the gun it's just like really guys like there's like 20 cops around yeah. and two of you are picking up this guy who just got the crap beat out of him <laughs> and somehow you let him grab your gun yeah and then they both blow him away. Yeah. Oh, man. And then a the movie ends with um, Riggs coming over to Murtaugh's place for Christmas dinner. With his dog. And and that was the one thing we haven't talked about yet. And the whole reason why we're doing this movie series in December is that this is a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Just like Die Hard. Absolutely. I mean, this one even starts with Jingle Bells. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, part part of the soundtrack is uh Christmas Christmas songs. Uh they reference Christmas plenty of times, Christmas decorations all over the place. Uh ends breaks up that Coke deal at the Christmas tree farm. Yep. Yeah. So like Christmas, Christmas, like totally is a Christmas movie. And I will I will fight alongside <laughs> Die Hard with <laughs> it being a Christmas movie. It's so funny because I kind of got in uh, a little bit of a discussion with my wife about it. And I was just like, oh, yeah. Um, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. And she's like, what? No, it's not. I was just like, yes, it is. Like, the whole thing takes place at a Christmas party. And I was yeah. like, have you not seen all of Die Hard? And she's like, no, I don't think so. I was like, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Die Hard 1 and 2 both are Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh man. Probably the most the two most unconventional Christmas movies ever. <laughs> but they definitely are. Um anything else to touch on or do you want me to get into trivia and facts? 
Uh, no, I'll have some closing stuff. So yeah, we can move along. Right. So Jackie Swanson, um, who played Tom Atkins's daughter that falls out of the window. Uh, she performed the high fall on her own. And she was trained by the legendary stuntman Dar Robinson. Also, the stunt was done using an airbag covered with a life-size painting of a driveway and cars. Which, which, like a foreground miniature, visually blends into the real scene. Thus, the editor was able to hold the shot until just as she makes contact with the airbag for greater realism. Wow. I did not... I wondered how they did that because I could tell that that fall was real and it wasn't a dummy. Yeah, well, I was kind of wondering if they recreated the um, the balcony. Yeah. And, like, we're doing it somewhere else. So, yeah, no, now I'm, like, I feel like I need to go back and watch that. Yeah, me too. Hmm. So the stuntman, Dar Robinson, that I mentioned, he was actually killed in a motorcycle accident shortly after the principal photography was finished. Um, the director, Richard Donner, dedicated this movie to him. Hmm. So Mel Gibson turned down starring roles in The Fly and The Untouchables in order to do this movie. Which I would say was smart because Jeff Goldblum was amazing in The Fly. If yeah. you've never seen The Fly. And The Untouchables, isn't that the one with... Uh... Crap. Uh, Dances with... Will- yeah, Co- Costner. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kevin Costner is always good, too. Yeah, he did good. I don't. I would have a hard time seeing Mel Gibson in that movie. So yeah, yeah, this was probably the best thing for him. Same here. So Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis were considered for each other's roles in Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Uh, we kind of talked about this when we did the Die Hard series, but um, both movies were actually produced by Joel Silver, with music by Michael Kamen. Uh, Willis was offered the role of Riggs, but turned it down. And a year later, he did Die Hard. Gibson was considered to play John McClane, along with the co-stars from The Expendables 3, uh, Harrison Ford, Stallone, and Schwarzenegger, but they all turned it down. Uh, coincidentally, the script for Die Hard with a Vengeance was briefly considered to be a film in a Lethal Weapon series. And we talked about that, too, when we did yep. Die Hard. Uh, in a scene where Riggs is contemplating suicide, there is an actual bullet blank in the chamber, which Mel Gibson was pointing at his head, um, thinking that it would allow for a greater sense of portraying the scene realistically and dramatically. While the blanks don't actually fire live rounds, the ejection of air and debris from the gun barrel can and have fatally injured people at very close range. Yeah, I was going to say, I know enough about that. That dude, I mean, if there was some accident or something there. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So Shane Black, who is the writer, um, stated that he wanted William Hurt to play the role of Martin Riggs, but the studio executives informed him that Hurt was a little too obscure for the part. Mm, yeah, I, I don't think he would have done nearly as well yeah um do you know who shane black is he was uh hawkins and predator okay i i i looked up <laughs> william hurt yeah 
So Yeah, Shane Black, he wrote a lot of movies, but yeah, he was Hawkins and Predator. So Leonard Nimoy was one of the choices considered for directing this movie. Really? But he didn't feel comfortable doing action movies. And huh. he was working on Three Men and a Baby at the time. I did not know he directed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good movie. I watched that not too long ago. I've I've seen part of it. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Yeah. I finally got around to watch it. I think it was last year I, I checked it out. But I always really liked Tom Selleck and I like Ted Danson. So hmm. was figured I would enjoy it. So um, Blackie Dammit, who portrays one of the drug dealers at the Christmas tree stand, is the father of Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah, his real name is John Kiedis. So All during right. pre-production, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover shadowed Los Angeles Police Department officers and Richard Donner consulted the LAPD um, to ensure an authentic portrayal of the police force. Really? Like, outside of Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, are they saying that he felt that Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh were a, a good depiction of the police force? <laughs> I guess. Because I I, I, <sighs> I I beg to differ. Riggs. <laughs> oh, gosh. So John Saxon, who are, we are very familiar with, um, was the first choice for the role of Joshua. Okay. But he was um, busy shooting a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. <laughs> Which I can see him in that role because he was a martial artist. Nice. A lot of people forget that because he was in um, Enter the Dragon. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Uh, so Lee Marvin, Bruce Dern, Richard Jordan... James Earl Jones, Peter Boyle, and Robert Duvall were all considered for the role of General McAllister. Hmm. Okay. And Robert Duvall would be interesting. But Robert Duvall's great and everything, so. Yeah. Uh, Brian Dennehy was considered for the role of Roger Murtaugh. Uh, Dennehy turned it down as he already played cops before in such films as First Blood and FX. Uh, however, Dennehy and Glover uh, previously appeared in the movie Silverado. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that Danny Glover got it. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie FX? No. You should check that one out. That's pretty good. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember it's one of my uncle's favorite movies. Okay. And I hung out with him for a while at his house um, one summer, and we watched a lot of movies together, and that was one of them. Then quickly down under. Oh, hey, I know that one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I knew you like that one. Um, um so you, Willem, huh? super super quick question: Have you heard of the movie The Next Three Days? No. Huh. Uh, when I was looking up Dennehy, um, that popped up with him, Liam Neeson, and Russell Crowe. Oh, Anyways, that's interesting. Weird. Sorry. Sidebar. Interesting asked. So, Willem Dafoe, James Woods, Christopher Walken, Keith Carradine, and Scott Glenn were considered for the role of Mr. Joshua. William Dafoe. <laughs> totally could have done that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. James Woods, too. <laughs> James Woods. Christopher Walken, I can't really see. Yeah, um, he, he could have done it, but it would have been, it would have been quite different. Yeah. 
not as crazy as Gary Busey. So Pierce Brosnan, Jeff Goldblum, Michael Bean, Bruce Willis, Michael Douglas, Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone, Patrick Swayze were all considered for the role of Riggs. I cannot see Jeff Goldblum playing Riggs. No. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's hilarious. He's a great actor. He's good in everything, but I just cannot see him in an action movie. Uh, I, Patrick Swayze, um, I don't think really could have done the crazy. I can see Kurt Russell being good. Yeah. I think Michael Bean's good at a lot of things, and I can see Bruce Willis kind of. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Raised, but... Sylvester Stallone, not so much. Like, he, he and Patrick Swayze, uh, I kind of feel the same where they couldn't really pull off the crazy. I feel like Stallone could do it more than Swayze. Yeah. But... I would agree with that. I think out of all those, I think Kurt Russell was probably the best bit yeah. other than Mel. And then the last thing I got is this movie had a $15 million budget and it made 120 in the box office. Rock. So, grades. IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. What are they? I think I saw IMD kind of passing. Was it like uh, 7... Was it 7.9? 7.6. Okay. Um, I did not see anything from Rotten Tomatoes, so... Um, eighty-two percent for a critic. Eighty. Okay. Um, audience. Eighty-five. Eighty-six. Ooh, hey, not too bad for those. And what about you, man? Um. So, I really enjoy the Lethal Weapon series. Uh, it's kind of weird and kind of crazy because when I was watching this, I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about the grade, but um, some really strong elements. Uh, like I said, it's got a really, it, it's it's deeper than most action comedies because of the seriousness of uh, Riggs's mental instability. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. It's not, it's weird because I'm judging this a little bit with the knowledge of having watched the other ones already. And I know that there are some other ones that I like more. And so it's not that I'm giving this a grade in the aspect of, I feel like it's bad. Well, the grade is going to be good, but because I'm not giving it like a super, super high grade that it's bad. Um, but man, I'm hmm, I'm kind of stuck between two. I think I think I'm gonna give it a four point five out of five. Um, right. Man, I don't know. Like, I'm torn between a four point five and a four because um, I don't. I think there are other ones that are going to be better that um, might qualify for the five five out of five, but it's just like I don't know and remember if they're going to be as well executed as this one, especially from the aspect of the Riggs character, because I think he kind of gets, um, if I remember, it's almost like the Rocky series 
um, like how the first one is super serious drama, great performances, but as you get on uh, going later on, the seriousness kind of lessens and it's mm-hmm. more um, more Hollywood, more show, more fanfare and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll stick with 4.5. I guess I might change that later, but. Right. What about you? Um, this is the movie that I feel like is the best buddy cop movie. Just with the chemistry between um Gibson and, and Glover, it, I feel like it's kind of unmatched, at least in any other buddy cop movie I've ever seen. Um, you know, kind of parodied a little bit in the other guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to compare those two, it's kind of funny. Um but I don't know. This it's just such a memorable movie. I thought that the villains were great. Like I said, Gary Busey, you kind of forget how good of an actor he was before he went insane. <laughs> um, same with Mel Gibson, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Just I always really enjoy this movie, and it's just everything to it. The the characters, the pacing of it. There's not really any like super like slow boring parts i mean it probably could have been shortened a little bit Mm -hmm. but it does take time to build the characters and make you care about everything going on so i always appreciate that and i don't just the direction of this the some of the shots that they have too like the that even that first shot of that girl falling out of that window was impressive and like to find out all the tech technical stuff that went behind making it look so realistic uh it was just a lot of care taken in this movie and it's it's obvious uh i really don't have anything that i thought was like truly bad with the movie so i ended up giving it a five out of five rock yeah no it's 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 one of those things where like i don't know i i caught myself like i said thinking of the other ones too and knowing that there's uh, at least one other one that I feel like is better than this, but watch, I probably forgot something about it and it's got like some huge errors or like some <laughs> terrible dead time. Uh, one thing that I, I did think of that I wanted to mention, um, cause you were talking about how the movie could have maybe been shortened a little bit. Um, yeah. I personally think that desert scene could have been completely taken out. Like, yeah, I mean, probably. I enjoyed it and there were some good things about it, but frankly, like one, I forgot about it, but then two, like the real ending was them in the back warehouse of the nightclub and they could have just gotten, gone somewhere, gotten captured and gone straight there instead of having that long desert scene. Yeah. Long standoff. Yeah. Which felt like it was going to be the end of the movie, which wound up not really being the end of the movie. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point, I would say. They could probably cut some of that out. Um, it's funny, because, you know, I've seen all the movies in the series, too. And I always remember liking the second one more. Yeah. So, um, I'm interested to watch that one again. I can't remember the last time I watched it. I watched this one last year around Christmas time, and I think I might have watched the second one, too. Diplomatic but... immunity. <laughs> It's just been revoked. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I jokingly said to our friend Craig that 
it's a it's a bummer that I don't have a cold doing this episode because I can do a pretty good Danny Glover impression when I have a cold. Riggs, Riggs, Riggs. <laughs> oh gosh. But um unfortunately the pneumonia that I had did not allow me to do the the Murtaugh voice. <laughs> also, speaking of Lethal Weapon and Murtaugh, that makes me think of how I met your mother in the Murtaugh list. Oh yeah. <laughs> the list of things you're getting too old for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just now popped in my head. But um yeah, next time we're gonna be talking about Lethal Weapon 2 which I've also seen a lot of people say that that's their favorite in the series. So I'm really looking forward to watching the second one. But if you guys are liking the show, please, please um, like subscribe and share. Uh, go back and listen to last year's December when we covered the Die Hard series, because it's pretty similar to this. And there are some crossover things, um, like I mentioned in the trivia and facts. So that's kind of interesting to think about. But uh, follow us on social media. We're on pretty much every platform. Um, check out our TikTok. Check out our YouTube. Um, I'm still working on that slash request episode. Just, I don't know. Be patient. <laughs> I'm slow. I'm slow going these days. The people are I've waiting. A, I've had a no. rough like month and a half here. Yeah, I'm const- no. constantly sick. It seems like or somebody in my family's sick. Well, it's not like our TikTok content is exactly growing at this time either, so. <laughs> That's right. I would say follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Those are probably the, get the most content there. But yeah, come by next week. We're going to be continuing on with the Lethal Weapon series and covering Lethal Weapon 2. But until then, as always, be kind and rewind.